are coming up to the end of our series, the Sermon on the Mount, and um, next week is our, our last message on that. And I've been listening to the messages like, like you guys hopefully have, and it's been a great summer. There's been a lot of really great material. And I wonder if anyone is just looking over the summer, listening to the messages, and just thinking, I am killing this. Like, I am living the Sermon on the Mount, like every day, right? Not worrying. I'm storing up all my treasure in heaven. Like, I'm loving my enemies. Like, I'm rocking this thing. Because if that is you, I want you to come find me later and pray for me. Because I'm listening to all these messages, and I'm thinking, this is really hard. Like, this is really hard, Jesus. Like, this invitation into living differently. Like, how do we even do this, right? Can I just check off the boxes and say I've done, not worried, stored up my treasure? No. Like, this is an invitation to actually live from our hearts, to live differently, transformed inside out. And that is what we're going to be talking about this morning. This message is no easier, I'm going to be honest. Today we're going to be in Matthew 7 and we're going to be looking at do not judge. This is the kind of stuff that requires us to set aside some of that defensiveness, some of that religious spirit, some of that like work stuff, and just sit with Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I need a transformation. I need a heart transplant because this is deep and this is real and I can't do it by just checking off a list. As I've been praying about this morning, I'm always like, okay, God, what are you always about? When I prepare messages, I really believe in co-laboring with God. So like, what are you already doing at Reality San Francisco? What are you already doing in my community? And as I was pressing into this and reflecting on the summer, I felt like the Lord's word for us is that we are a community that we are being invited into a deeper, more mature, spirit-led kind of faith. It's not works, it's a spirit-led thing. And the thing about being led by the spirit, the Bible says he's like the wind. And we need to watch for him, and we need to listen for him, and be sensitive to him. See, that's why the checklist doesn't work, and the works don't work, because it's not just about changing our behavior, it's about being in relationship with a person, and listening to him, and responding to him, and saying, God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? How do I respond right now? Yesterday may have been different. Tomorrow, how do I respond right now? And that's what I want to invite you into this morning. As you listen to me bring this message, Jesus, what are you doing right now in my heart? What is the thing that's in front of me right now? Dallas Willard has a quote, and he's, in his book, he's reflecting on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, to succeed in keeping the law One must aim at something other and something more. One must aim to become the kind of person from whom the deeds of the law naturally flow. That's what we're doing this morning. We're going to be aiming at something other and something more. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 7, starting at verse 1. And I'm going to go ahead and, and read that, and then we'll pray. Do not judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we know that you are after our hearts, God. And sometimes it, we just want to protect ourselves and, and we can slide into this place of defensiveness and uh, resistance. And this morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would come like that very small pointed sharp knife and you would go to the exact spot that we need to hear from you this morning. That we would come with all of our hearts and lay them bare before you, God. We want to be a kind of community that is spirit-led, that is about living for the other, for the more, not just satisfied with good moral behavior, but God transformed. And this morning, you actually want to be about the work of transforming us. So would you allow that to happen? Jesus, we ask that you would silence and rebuke the voice of the enemy this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray that you would shut down shame and judgment and that a spirit of Jesus would just be alive and at work deep in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He starts with do not judge. And I want to be clear as we start this morning, when Jesus says do not judge, he's not referring to showing wisdom or making decisions between right or wrong. What he's getting at is a posture of our hearts. Individually, as a community, he's saying do not judge. Do not create an atmosphere of condemnation. That's what he's addressing here. So it's not about, hey, should I, you know, should I speak up on this issue? It's not about that. What he's addressing here and where we're going to start this morning is addressing the posture of our own hearts, that we can move into this place where we relate to someone in such a way that we condemn them. Now, you know, we're going to have to listen for the nuance in this this morning because sometimes we can sit here and say, well, I'm not really a judgy person. Like, I don't say all those mean kind of things. I want us to go deeper than that this morning because it's the posture of our heart. You see, judgment wears many faces. Sometimes it isn't just that direct accusation that says that person's bad or that person's wrong or I don't condone that. Sometimes it's just the slight posture of a heart that says I'm going to hold back approval of you or I'm going to hold back blessing you or thinking kind and loving thoughts towards you. I'm just going to hold back a little bit because I disapprove. I've come, I've sentenced you. I've created an atmosphere of condemnation. And what judgment does, it creates distance. It creates distance. Anytime we're moving in a posture of judgment, it will separate us from somebody else. Jesus says, don't have a posture of judgment. See, judgment says this, it kind of comes in like this kind of shaving, shearing way that says there's something about you that's unworthy or unlovable. And by positioning myself this way towards you, I'm just going to shave off a little of that worthiness. I'm just going to move against you in such a way that is not fully in line with God's heart for that person. You see, when we move into a spirit of judgment, we are aligning ourselves with the enemy. 
The Bible describes the enemy, the devil, as the accuser of the brethren. We need to guard our hearts that we do not come into agreement with the enemy. We need to guard our hearts that at any slight movement, shift of our position of our heart, that we aren't somehow saying, you know what, enemy, I agree with that word over that person's life. That is something unlovable. That is something unworthy. That is something wrong. It is dangerous territory when we shift into a place of judgment and criticism and condemnation. John 3, 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. You see that kind of condemnation that says there's something wrong with you as a person is not rooted in the spirit of Jesus. It is not the kingdom of God. This is not the work that we're to be about. This morning, we're just going to zero in again, like I said, on our own hearts. Because Jesus says here, there's that, that scripture and it says, you know, before you, you look at the sawdust in someone else's heart, look at the plank in your own. And that's where we're going to really start this morning, is looking at our own hearts. Us first, what's going on with us? He's wanting us to check our heart attitude. You see, there's a reason that we move into judgment. There's a reason that we operate in condemnation. Kurt Thompson, in his book, The Soul of Shame, writes, shamed people shame people. Long before we are criticizing others, the source of that criticism has been planted, fertilized, and grown in our own lives, directed at ourselves, and then often in ways we are mostly unaware of. You see, we can keep talking about do not judge, and we can slap ourselves on our wrists and say, you know what, I gotta stop being so gossipy, or I gotta stop talking bad to my Lyft driver, or I gotta start venting on Facebook, or whatever it is. We can talk about the fruit of judgment, but we have to actually start with talking about the roots of it. We need to talk about what's really going on. Why are we so compelled to judge and condemn and often separate ourselves in very small ways to make ourselves feel better? See, if we were really honest and real this morning, if we dug really deep down and were authentic, we would find that deep down inside, there's probably a part of us that feels like a little unworthy ourselves, a little lacking ourselves. Never going to be thin enough, never going to be good looking enough, never going to find a spouse, never going to be what my parents wanted, probably can't save my marriage probably won't be restored to my kids, can't kick this addiction, feeling overworked, feeling stressed, like I'm not enough. There's something that I need to keep earning. It's something I need to keep trying to get to. And the thing is, everybody else around me feels like competition. And so I just got to keep pushing forward and just pushing them back just a little bit, just a little bit, because there's this thing inside that's driving us. See, for some of us, judgment and shame have become this little friend in the corner that's internally working and speaking to our our own hearts, and then it begins to seep out into our community, into our relationships. But the thing is, judgment and shame is not our friend. It's our enemy, and it's the work of the devil, and we need to just call it what it is. Wow. Judgment and shame are there to destroy us. They're there to destroy our relationships. But there's another way, there's another invitation. What I'm talking about this morning is rooted in what I would call a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset that robs us of seeing clearly. We can't see the sawdust in our brothers and sisters' eye clearly, 
because we're so wrapped up in this like scarcity mindset. It changes the landscape of our lives. It changes our vision. See, scarcity says you're not enough. There isn't enough. There's a limited amount of attention. There's a limited amount of affection or time or resources and we become pitted against each other. We're seeing it in our nation right now. We're seeing this drive of judgment and hatred and racism and it's coming from this place of like, it's not enough. This is mine. I want to hold on to it. But we all can lean into that mindset if we're not careful. There's something wrong with you. There has to be, because i got to feel better about myself. There's something wrong with you. What plank in my eye? There's no plank. Let's focus on you. Let's talk about your relationship. Let's talk about what you do with your free time. Let's talk about what you do on social media. Let's talk about why you're dating that guy. Let's talk about you. I don't want to look at the plank in my eye. i got to feel better about myself. We have to protect what we have. You see, we're seeing this on the grand scale in our nation, but we also see it in our own hearts. And that is where Jesus is calling us to this morning, to start there, to start looking at our hearts. San Francisco often births a survival mentality in us. It's expensive, it's competitive, there's definitely not enough affordable housing. It feels like a rat race, right, to get ahead, to get noticed, to stand out. How many followers can I get on my Instagram? How can I make my resume look good? How can I get a bigger home? How can I be more accomplished? How can I stand out from the crowd? It's a survival mentality, and it's rooted in scarcity, because it says there's only this much, and there's only a few that are going to get it, and it's the survival of the fittest. And if you want to be the fittest, you have to get ahead. And to get ahead, someone else has got to get behind. And there's no better way of doing that than just drawing a line in the sand and saying, I judge you, I condemn you, I move in such a position in my heart towards you that I'm just slightly better than you. We're not surrounded by a culture of honor in the city. I mean, there's probably those rare situations, but for most of us, we go into work and it doesn't feel like everyone says, yeah, good to see you Monday morning. We love that you're here. How can we help make your job better today? How can we push you up the ladder? How can we make your life easier? How can you thrive in this community, right? Like, I mean, if you, got, if you have that, then I think awesome. I actually have that, so I'm really blessed. I have a ministry where that's what I actually do. But I know that's not the norm. Like, most of us are going into work, and we feel like we're looking at the person next to us, and we're thinking, okay, how am I going to get that job and not them? How am I going to date that girl and not him? Like, you know, it's like there's always a sense of comp- competition and comparison. We're not surrounded by a culture of honor where we lift each other up and say, you first. I bless you. What's your life about? How can I make you thrive? That is completely foreign. But guess what? The Sermon on the Mount is completely foreign in this world. You see, here at Reality San Francisco, the church in San Francisco, we need to be about building a community that says, we are other, we are more, we are foreign to the world because this is the kingdom of God. And it has to start in our own hearts. It has to start there. See, some of us feel like there's a scarcity of Jesus in San Francisco. It's so hard to be here. It's so difficult. Guys, barely holding on to my faith. I'm barely even moral anymore. I don't even know who I am. Like, there's a scarcity of Jesus. There is no scarcity of Jesus in San Francisco. (laughs) 
See, this morning, God is wanting to reposition our perspective, our mindset that just gets narrower and narrower and narrower and grows judgment and condemnation and bitterness in our hearts. Let's pull back this morning. Let's ask God for his perspective. About a year ago, I was at the beach with my children. I have two boys, seven and three. And we're the kind of people, like, we, we love the beach. It's one of our favorite things to do. We're the kind of people that roll up kind of like, you know, 10 feet away from the water's edge. We plop our tent down. And just so that when the boys are playing, the water's kind of pulling up right upon their castle and their moats and filling it up. And um, that's kind of where we hang out. And this one particular day, we were at the beach, and I was sitting there, I was watching them play. And it was a re- I remember it was a gorgeous day. There was a lot of people, so much so that people were walking their dogs and kind of stepping over their sandcastles. And, you know, like there was kids all around. There was so much going on. There was so much activity. And my kids were just playing, and they were like digging holes, and the water was coming in. And I felt like the Lord just drew my heart to pay attention, to pay attention of how they were inter- interacting with the ocean. And I suddenly looked around and I thought, there's a lot of kids here, there's a lot of people here, and they were all like digging holes and building sandcastles, and at no point in time did my kids run over and say, you need to stop that, don't fill up that bucket with ocean, there is not enough for you. At no point did they go over to someone and say, hang on, hang on, this is my patch. This is my area. Like, I need all the water in the ocean. They didn't because that's ridiculous because the ocean is so vast. It's so abundant. It's so huge. There was no sense of, I've only got a little bit. And the Lord began to speak to my heart about how I do that, how we do that that we're serving the God of the ocean, but we're camping down on our piece of sand and saying, don't touch my ocean. There's not enough. There's not enough for me. Like, no, 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 that job is mine. That relationship is mine. That intimacy with Jesus, that's mine. Don't be getting all crazy about Jesus. I need that relationship with Jesus. And we begin to camp out in a scarcity mentality. And yet what the Lord would want to say to us this morning is, I am the ocean, I am the ocean, and I will wash over you with pleasure. And I have all the abundance, and I have all the resources, and I have enough intimacy for every single one of you. And I have provision for you, and I'm going to show up for you. And you don't need to put other people down and say, I judge you, I condemn you in order to feel loved, because you are loved. You are my beloved. God is calling us into an abundance mentality. This is the character of God. He's extravagant and he's beautiful and he's full of life. So with that being our mentality, if there is more than enough, then how are we to live? Verse 12 says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We've probably all heard this at some point in our life. You know, it's often referred to as the golden rule. Your mama probably told us this at some point. Don't do that. You wouldn't want someone to do that to you. That's not kind. And we think that's the golden rule. I think Jesus is actually going a little bit further here this morning because Jesus isn't telling us just not to be bad. Like, hey, the golden rule is that person wouldn't want you to punch them in the face, so don't punch them in the face. Like, okay, we can all do that. What I actually think Jesus is saying is, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Go beyond not being bad or cruel or mean, be actively good. 
pursue good intentions for their life. Now, this is where the, like, it kind of starts to drop in our heart this morning, right? Because we can all go with, yeah, I shouldn't be mean. I shouldn't be cruel. I shouldn't say bad things, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus is saying, no, it's more and it's other. It is actually living upside down and saying, I not only don't want to hurt you, I want to bless you. I want to dream God's dreams for you. I actually want to come out of agreement with the enemy in the way that I've judged you and into agreement with God's dreams for your life. Guys, this is a shift. This is a shift that takes intentionality because we are so wired in our humanity to think about ourselves, to put ourselves first, to kind of push, just push in a little bit ahead of everyone else. And what Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. What do you need? How can you thrive? How can I bless you? This is a whole different way of living. You see, love is a proactive position. It's not passive and it's not neutral. You see, Jesus didn't sit on the sidelines and say, okay, well, I'm not gonna do anything bad, but I'm not really gonna intervene. He actually actively engaged with us in the world and said, I'm going to bring my goodness. I'm going to work on your behalf. This is the kind of love that God's calling us into. Neutral won't save a life. Silence won't save your marriage. Passivity won't bring your children into the kingdom of God. Okay, we have to be proactive in our faith and our relationship with Jesus and how we love other people. We need to step back this morning and say, Jesus, where have I been agreeing with the voice of the enemy over my spouse's life? Where have I been agreeing with the voice of the enemy over my children's life, over my boss, ooh, over my coworkers, over my employees that are really hard to lead? Where am I agreeing with the voice of the enemy? Where do I need to shift this morning in order to come in line with, how can I make your life thrive? How can I bless you? How can I be for you and not against you? There is no different rules in the workplace, guys. The Sermon on the Mount was not just for Sunday mornings. It's for our families, it's for our workplace. It's when we're on Muni. It's when we're driving on the freeway and someone just cuts us off. It's like, how do we relate? How do we posture our heart towards you? The presence of Jesus is never neutral, passive, or complacent. He's not just not bad. He's actively good. Guys, and this is important. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is the work of the enemy in our lives, in our relationships, in our community. To separate, to judge, to hate, this is the work of the enemy. But the reason the Son of God came is to destroy the work of the enemy. Some of us this morning, we need God to destroy the work of the enemy in our lives. Some of us have been living under accusations and judgments. Some of us have been operating in accusation and judgment. Some of us have been living with a scarcity mindset. Mine, 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 not you. And this morning, Jesus would say, I came to destroy that work. 
I came to destroy that work in your heart, in your life, in your community, in your nation. What is happening in Charlottesville is the work of the enemy. It's the darkness that wants to come in, the hatred, the racism. And what Jesus would say to that is the reason I came was to destroy that kind of stuff. Let's be about the work of the kingdom. We cannot partner in passivity. We must avoid partnering with the enemy and come into agreement with God's best for other people. Guys, this is a hard word because what about if that other person is our enemy? What about if that other person hates us? That is going to really test our hearts this morning. That is why we need Jesus. That is why we just got to be in his presence and say, God, we, we struggle with this. How do we love back? How do we bless back? How does God relate to us? He is always calling us by our true identity. He's always speaking life. We are called to agree with God's narrative over our own lives and the lives of other people. In my marriage, this has looked like coming into partnership with God's vision for my husband and he for me. It means speaking it. It means relating as if it already existed. It means encouraging and releasing and saying yes. It means avoiding relating in any way that doesn't line up with God's best for him. It means silencing a critical and judgmental voice. It means condemnation and self-righteousness have no place in our marriage. Have I failed at this? Absolutely. Do I struggle to always come into agreement with God's best? Because it means that I might have to sacrifice something or life's uncomfortable for me? Absolutely. This is a hard word to say, I want to come into agreement and live as if it's already happening. That is what marriage is about, guys. We fight for one another and we say, I see you. I see who you are in the spirit and I believe in it and I come into agreement. I'm going to talk to you like you already are that person. And when you're not that person, we're going to have healthy confrontation and I'm going to call it out, but it's because this is who I believe you really are. I might have shared this before in church, but I remember one time with my son and just talking through some behavior stuff and looking at him and saying, you know, this is not okay because it's not who you are. It's not that the behavior is bad. It's just not who you are. But let me tell you who you are. There is nothing more empowering, I think, in a moment of dis discipleship and discipline with a child is to say, let me just remind you who you are. You know, when they're giving you the face and you're like, it's okay because this is who you are. You're kind. You're loving. You're gentle. Let me just call it out. That's how I see you. That's what I believe about you. This is what it means to come into agreement with God's best for people. Gosh, this can sound so fluffy in a world like the one we're facing right now. Does it mean then that, you know, everyone like is great and we just come into agreement and we say, yeah, believe in God's best for you, really love you, want you to thrive. Do we not call out sin? Do we not call out injustice? How, how do we navigate that? That is not what the scripture is saying. If you notice, Jesus says, deal with the plank, then the sawdust, right? And if you've been around church long enough, you've heard this whole idea, this tension of truth and love. Well, when am I just loving and give someone the hug? And when do I bring that truthful word? Here's the thing about God. God does not show up in parts. 
So he's not loving one day and truthful the next, right? Like, it's not like we come to church, we're like, which Jesus are we going to get? Like, is he going to be loving and just be like, oh, it's okay? Or is he going to bring that strong, hard, truthful word? That's not how God operates. He is complete all the time. He brings all parts of himself to the picture. So he can be completely operating in love and completely operating in truth. There's a scripture where it talks about the spirit of truth has adopted us, right? It's hand in hand. Those things go together. And see, the thing is, God is God, and he's got this thing down, and we are fallen, broken people, and we're still wrestling to know how do we bring these things together? How do I be completely loving and completely truthful? It's messy, and it's difficult to navigate, but that is what God is inviting us into. God is not passive in his love or in his truth. And we need to press into him today to say, Jesus, how do I come in all of the fullness of your spirit? How do we address my relationships, my marriage, my children? What's going on in our world? How do I bring all of myself to that? God is not passive. He will call out injustice and say it for what it is. We must call out injustice and say it for what it is. Do we get it wrong sometimes? Sure. Do we like say way too much and, and move into a judgmental and critical spirit? Sure. Do we stay silent sometimes when we should speak up because we're afraid of confrontation, afraid of what it's gonna cost us? Sure. And that is why the foot of the cross is equal ground. And we just come, and that's my heart for us this morning as we respond this morning, is that we would come and say, Jesus, this thing is really hard. This invitation to not judge is really challenging. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you know there's a spirit of judgment and a critical spirit that's just taken a hold and you have been operating in that. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Jesus, I want you to change my heart and I have no idea how to do it. Some of us this morning have been living under accusation and judgment. Someone's been speaking against you. The enemy has been speaking against you and God wants to break that off of your life this morning. The reason the Son of God came is to destroy the work of the enemy in your life, in our community, in our nation. But here's the thing. Love is our powerful position. This is what we pivot from. This is our launching point. Everything that we do, and if you read through the Gospels, you're going to see this as clear. Everything that we do is rooted in love, is rooted in love. Does it feel trite? Absolutely sometimes, when the voices of hatred and darkness feel so loud, but it's not trite. It's the gospel. It's why Jesus came. It's love that powerfully pushes us forward. And if we abandon our position of love, then we are giving in and we are giving the enemy power and we are agreeing with him. So we pivot right here on love. From this position, I will speak truth. From this position, I will call out injustice. From this position, I will say, I believe in you. I see you. I want what's best for you. It must be our unshakable position. Love is our power position. Love is where we pivot from. 
The end of this scripture is really weird. Jesus starts talking about pigs and dogs. <sighs> because this one wasn't already tricky enough for me to navigate, I got the pigs and the dogs as well. You know, we've all grown up hearing this, and, um, and it's like, okay, that's not nice, Jesus. Like, you're calling people swine <laughs> and dogs. Like, what, what, is that really the Jesus of the gospel? Well, let me say, first of all, that we have to read the context of Scripture, right? We have to read across the board. What kind of person is Jesus? Did he really go about looking at the marginalized or the disenfranchised and saying, you piece of swine, you dog, like you have no place here? Absolutely not. This is not God calling into judgment someone's worthiness. Okay, this scripture has been taken to separate and to judge, ironically. To say this is that person's swine. They don't get to hear the gospel. They don't get to do this. They don't get to... So we need to be careful about how we approach this scripture. Jesus is not saying some people are worthy of the gospel and some people are not. I want to read a quote by Tim Keller. The point of the parable is he's saying to his disciples, don't push the gospel on people in such a way that they can't digest it. Don't be insensitive. Don't just push truth on people in such a way which is not relevant to their concerns or it's too quick or not sensitive to the pace of God in their lives. Don't push. Don't press. Be discerning, friends. Be gentle. Be careful. Never treat two people the same. What the scripture is getting to is love. How are we loving people? You see, sometimes we're loving with our own agenda. I just want to bless you, and I want you to thrive, and let me tell you all the things that you need to do that. Right? Jesus, this, this whole scripture that we're looking at this morning is this weird mix woven together of like, hey, deal with stuff in your life, love people well, but love them rightly. Don't push stuff on them. Be careful. Be sensitive. What Jesus is saying is we need to be people of the Spirit. We need to be people of the Spirit. This is not black or white. Hey, loving people well means like your agenda, your pace, your time, give them the gospel, shove it down them, do this, do that. No. Jesus is saying love people well and be discerning. Be careful about the words that you use. Be intentional. Let that relationship be sacred. This is the work of the Spirit. And you know, we, we could all land on different points in this message, right? Different things are gonna hit different ones of us. And that's okay, because God can relate to every single one of us exactly where we're at this morning. Some of us need to hear that word to like, whoa, back up and let go of our agenda because it's not in line with the spirit of Jesus. Some of us this morning need to hear, press in, speak truth in love. Some of us need to just check our hearts and say, where am I at with judgment? Where's the position of my heart? Everyone in this room, we're all in different spots and we need to let the spirit of Jesus come meet us where we're at. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up and I wanna pray over us this morning. Lord Jesus, you know where we're at, God. You know that this is a word that we have to wrestle with in our hearts it's not one of those like, it's a quick drink and we're like, oh yeah, that was sweet, that was good, let's walk away, we got it. It's like a, it's like a, um, a medicine that needs to go deep into our soul and it needs to touch the places that only you can touch, Jesus. 
Lord, this morning I ask that you'd break off a scarcity mentality over our lives where we have been hoarding our blessing because we felt to bless and to give it away, there'd be nothing left for us. Jesus, some of us just need to get into your presence this morning and know that daddy loves us and that we're okay and that you have the world and you have our world. God, some of us this morning, we need just that spirit of conviction that is specific, that does not bring condemnation, but leads us to repentance. God, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, I pray that you would pluck out of our lives a critical spirit, that you'd pluck out of our lives a spirit of judgment. Lord, I pray for those here that have been under the accusation of the enemy. That there have been words that have even been spoken to you by people or by the enemy that have been accusing you and judging you and condemning you that you are not good enough, that you're not good enough to be here this morning, that you're not good enough to experience the presence of Jesus, that you're not good enough for the healing, that you're not good enough for the resources to be provided. I break that accusation in Jesus' name and instead, God, we bless with a spirit of abundance and a mindset of abundance that God, you call us worthy and loved and beloved because of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, we stand covered. It says we can come boldly before your throne of grace. Lord, I pray for us as a community that we would shift into our power position of love this morning. That when we leave today, that we would be thinking, how can I come into agreement with your best for my spouse, for my children, for my boss, for my coworkers? How can I shift my posture? Thank you, Jesus, that you are always speaking life and hope. You are drawing us close to you this morning. God, would you do your work, your work, not our agenda, not like what we feel like needs to be pushed, but what you're doing. I pray that we would lay down control this morning, even about the right things. I feel like the Lord's saying that there are some things that we are, we kind of, we have an agenda about, and they're right things, but they need to be submitted to Jesus and his time and his place and what he is doing. We submit to you this morning, Jesus. We want your way. We want to abide in you. We want you. We want you. We want you, Jesus, to lead the way. That we would follow you in grace and truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen.